Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to The Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Knowing good and evil. Listen, she already knew good. That's all she'd ever experienced. She had never experienced evil. There was no sorrow. There was no shame. There was no suffering. There was no pain. There was no death. Everything that's a negative in our lives came with that lie. Today we have part two of Pastor Sam's message, The Seed, the Soil, and the Harvest. This study looks closely at the first 20 verses in the book of Mark, and today we start up where we left off on Friday in verse 15. Now this study is focused on Jesus' parable of the sower and his explanation of its meaning. So let's listen in. Well, anyway, Satan steals and takes away that what was sown in their heart. I would call this the careless, clueless heart. The seed is stolen by the birds representing Satan, who is a liar, a tempter, an accuser, a thief, a murderer. You know, the first time Satan ever tempted a human being, it was Eve. She was in the garden. He approaches her. They get in a conversation. The first thing he does is he questions the word of God. I'm going to give you these three, and I'm not going to walk you through the whole story, just the, the low points, because there are no high points. But she, first, Satan questions the word of God. Did God say you're not to eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden? And she's like, no, that's not exactly it. He said we could eat anything we want. There's just this one tree we're not to eat of, nor shall we touch it lest we die. Listen. They could eat anything they wanted except one thing. It's like if God said, Sam, you can have anything you want to eat. Don't worry, you're not going to gain weight. Don't worry, you don't have to exercise. Everything's going to be fine. Eat anything you want except this one thing. I'm not going to say, well, what's that one thing and where can I find it? I'm going to be like, Lord, you had me at eat anything you want. And I don't understand at all what was going on in Eve's mind, but I do know that there was a heart issue because she looks at the tree and, 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 and the scripture said she saw that it was, it was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. John later warns us about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. He says they're of the world and the world's passing away. But he who abides in, in the Lord, well, abides forever. So, so she sees it's good for food. That's the lust of the flesh. Pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. A tree that can make her wise. Wise in what way? He not only questions the word, he denies the word. And I want to say that he hasn't changed his MO at all. When he deals with you, when he attacks us, and by the way, it's got to be his minions. He's not messing with us. I think he's somewhere at the Kremlin or in Washington or somewhere, probably Washington. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, when we're attacked around the truth, the word is questioned. The truth is questioned. And by the way, a lot of this work just happens through friends at school or friends at work or frenemies, wherever you are, because they're not very good friends if they're questioning the word and then denying the word. He says, she said, if we eat it, we're going to die. He said, you will not die. 
Now listen, if God says you're going to die and Satan says you're not going to die, somebody's lying. And I've noticed God never lies. And Satan is a liar. And God says the father of lies. He is the lies originate with him. And so he questions, he denies the word, and then he impugns God's character. He says, God knows in the day you eat, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Listen, she already knew good. That's all she'd ever experienced. She had never experienced evil. There was no sorrow. There was no shame. There was no suffering. There was no pain. There was no death. Everything that's a negative in our lives came with that lie. And he's like, you're going to know good and evil. What's evil? Everything God was keeping from her. Oh, he was keeping her from something. But none of it was something good for her or good for us. So she took and she ate and she gave it to Adam and he ate too. I'm blown away by that. I'm not saying I'm better than Adam. I'm just saying if it were me, I'd probably say, you know, I got everything I want to eat. Why do I want to eat that? God said not to. And what's the matter with you? But I don't know why he didn't do that. And maybe I wouldn't have done it either. I'd like to think I would have. And then we wouldn't be in this mess, would we? <laughs> you know what they say? Where would we be without women? In the Garden of Eden. But... <laughs> No, 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 I'm kidding. We wouldn't be anywhere. We wouldn't exist. I'm so grateful that it's not only the guys laughing. I appreciate that. You know, I've said a couple things over the years. Teach for 35 years in the same place. You're going to make a mistake or two. And one, one time I said something. Well, somebody else had said it first. I thought it was funny, so I said it. And apparently not everybody, especially this one woman visitor, found any humor in it, and, and she, she didn't write me a nasty note, as some people are prone to do. She got right in my face and told me why I would never see her again, and she was intimidating enough. I felt like saying, well, good, but, uh, <laughs> but I realized later it was all my fault because, you know, sometimes we can go too far. So anyway, I got, I'm going too far now because we have other things to cover and about 15 minutes to do it. So, hey, if you have a careless, clueless heart, if you hear the word in such a casual way where you're like, well, that was interesting or, or you know, I actually, you know, noticed a couple things I hadn't noticed before. Man, listen, the, the enemy is, is trying to, to question if the word is true, and then we'll deny that the word is true, and then we'll accuse God to you and you to the Lord. Why? He's the accuser of the brethren. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He steals the seed, it kills our hope, destroys our future. And so uh, he said, you know, with Jesus, and we looked at this recently, I'm not going to walk through the whole thing, but, but he did a similar thing. He started with food. I find that interesting. I don't know why I only noticed it now. I mean, this time. But he starts with Eve with food and he starts with Jesus with food. So I'm wondering, we sit down to lunch, might want to be thinking about that. But he, he, he's like, hey, if you're the son of God, and we saw recently, since you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus said, man, does not, it is written, key, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The key 
to overcoming the lies of Satan is to know what's written. Jesus knew. If you're like, well, Eve didn't have that. She didn't need it. She fellowshiped with God face to face in the perfect environment for who knows how long before she disobeyed the Lord. And Adam with her, not deceived, but disobedient. And both of them died spiritually and ultimately physically because of that. Jesus countered each temptation with the same three words. It is written. And if we know the word, we don't need to question it. We need to understand it. Lord, what are you saying here? What does it mean to me? How does it apply to the situations I find myself in? Jesus says simply, you must be born again. Satan says to the unchurched, you're worthless. You'll never be good enough or it's all made up. There's no God that loves you. And if you've heard that voice saying those things, listen, that's not just bad self-talk. That's the enemy trying to tell you something that's absolutely untrue. You're valuable, so valuable to God. He sent his only begotten son and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But he sent him to die for your sins to be buried and rise again. To the church, he says, you're good enough. Better than most, well, at least many. Uh, you know, you, you don't need to do any more. You've believed, doesn't the pastor say, just believe and you'll be saved? Yeah, but is that it? No, that's just the beginning. No, there's a whole life of growing in him and being fruitful for him, leading others to him, and then discipling them to do the very same thing. So to the religious, and you hear this, all roads lead to God. How can a just God punish people who are just as sincere as we are? Franklin Graham's newest book, it's called Through My Father's Eyes, has a great section. Well, the books, I, I love it. Highly recommended. Uh, Billy Graham Association sent it to me. I'm so happy for that. Pam started reading it on our vacation. A friend of ours started reading it on our vacation. I started reading it on our vacation. The guy's name, and I want to get it right, Roy Gustafson. And on page 16 of the book, he has this to say about religion and the gospel. There are thousands of religions, but there's only one gospel. You see, religion comes as a product of the reasoning of human mind, of the human mind. The gospel is the revelation of God's mind. Religions originate on earth. The gospel originated in heaven. Religions are man-made. The gospel is the gift of God. Religions, all of them are the story of what sinful people try to do for a holy God. The gospel is the wonderful story of what a holy God has already done for sinful people. Religion is, is mankind's quest for God. The gospel is the Savior God seeking lost men and women. Religion is the opinions of sinful people. The gospel is God's good news. So as we press on, Jesus continues. I'll pick up the pace because, well, He's going to be so clear, I won't need to say that much. These likewise, verse 16, are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. 
They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. I would call this second heart a carefree, confused heart. They're carefree because they're just kind of going along and everything seems mostly okay. And then they hear, man, you can, you can be born again. You can be forgiven sin. And they're like, sign me up. I, I want that. But immediately, just as Satan comes and, and snatches the seed, inevitably, if not immediately, there are trials and tribulations and persecutions all promised to us by the Lord. Not because of what we did before we served the Lord, but because of what we're doing now that we're serving the Lord. And so what happens? When the sun comes up, they can't take the heat. It's just too much for them. If friends are going to reject me and people are going to mock me and they're going to say all these bad things about me, well, then I'm just not going to be able to do this. And man, that's a serious tragedy. Because here's someone, and we've all known people like this, who hear the word and they're so excited about it. They tell more people in the first week than you've told in your whole Christian life. But then two months later, or four months later, or six months later, they've just fallen away. They've stumbled, and you're like, how can that be? I have a friend that was instrumental in leading me to the Lord. Now, he wasn't the one who actually did it, but he was one of those people that planted seed and prayed for me and talked to me about my need for Christ that fell away later. And I'm like, how can that happen? This guy walked with the Lord for decades and now he says he doesn't believe. I don't believe that. I think something's happened and that he needs to just hear it again and give his life afresh. But the point is, the careless, clueless heart is in serious trouble. It needs to be cultivated. It needs to be softened. The carefree, confused heart, so important because persecution for the word's sake is absolutely coming to all. Steals their joy, replaces it with fear. They stumble and fall away. Now, he goes on then to say, these are the ones sown among thorns. Verse 18, they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. Focusing on temporal needs. Note, the cares aren't necessarily sinful things, just the things that we're so busy with. There's little time for the word of God. Do you know when we hear the word, we need to actually spend time well, the, the word's meditating, not that mindless Eastern meditation where you empty your mind, but the one where you fill your mind with the word of God and you chew on the things of God. And, and, and that's what's supposed to happen. So the other things, they could just be the regular everyday things we all have to tend to. The, the, they, they leave no room for the word of God to take root and produce fruit. The second thing he mentions is the deceitfulness of riches. And here's a real irony and a tragic one at that. We live on a planet where billions of people are barely surviving each day. And we have so much and we're like, I only need a little more or just a little bigger this. I need a bigger garage because I have all this stuff. I need bigger cars because there's not room for all... 
And, and why? We're supersizing everything, including ourselves now. But uh, the, the point is simply this. The deceitfulness of riches, he calls it. The idea that a little more will really make me happy. If a little bit makes me happy, how much more happy will I be if I get more? I have this friend that wrote a song back decades ago that said, I have so much comfort, I'm uncomfortable. It was a song called Money Slips Through My Fingers and Rolls Off My Hands. But, but I love that line. I have so much comfort, I'm uncomfortable. Well, the desires for other things, they enter in, they choke the word, and Jesus says it becomes unfruitful. This would be the careful heart, not carefree or careless, careful, but not rightly careful, careful, full of cares, full of deceit, full of desires. It's a crowded heart. The common concerns, the cares and desires, the enticements and the lies of the advertisers rise up and choke out the good seed. Before we look at the fourth, note, every believer is attacked daily on these three fronts. So simply put, we're at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is the system that opposes him and oppresses people created by and loved by him. The flesh, our greatest enemy, because it's, it's an inside job when it comes to the flesh. And by the way, God has no program or process to improve your flesh. The flesh has to die for the spirit to have dominion. And the flesh and the spirit are at war. If you're unfamiliar with this concept, Romans 6, you've got to read it and understand it and apply it. You will always be battling within. So don't think I'm a bad Christian because I still have these temptations or I still, I still think about this or this still comes into my mind. No, listen, the flesh will always rise up and it wants to have dominion because it used to. And the Spirit's like, no, you gave your life to me. I'm sealed. I live within you. I've sealed you until the day of redemption. The Spirit wants dominion because we said, rule over me. We gave our life to the Lord. We prayed, Jesus, come into my heart. And, and he did in the person of the Holy Spirit. So the world, the flesh, and then the devil. And I want to say, while the devil's a true adversary, he's the liar, he's the accuser, he's the thief, he's the murderer. I'm more concerned with my flesh than I am the devil. Because he wouldn't even have to mess with me. I'm capable of messing this up on my own. And, and, and so nevertheless, he does steal the seed. And the flesh is fickle. There's joy today and fear tomorrow, leading to a fall and failure. The world allures, entices, and then enslaves. It appeals to the lust of the flesh, our fleshly desires and appetites. It gives the devil an inroad to have his way. So the good seed of God's word never takes root or produces fruit. But these are the ones, verse 20, sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. I like this because the suggestion is it's the same amount of seed, but some, some hearts just produce more. And, and, and so I don't have, the, I don't have a, a way to explain to you, nor should I have to. 
why that is. I just want a heart that's going to be most productive for him. A cultivated, and that's that fourth. We started with the careless, clueless heart, then the carefree, confused heart, then the careful, crowded heart. Now we have the cultivated, prepared heart. The hard soil's been plowed, amended, weeded, enabling the seed to take root. So we hear, receive the word, we sprout, we grow, we produce, and there's a harvest of righteousness that brings forth the fruit of the spirit that within it is the seed mixed with the gospel for people to come to Christ. Well, God's word is good seed. Every part of it has a purpose. Much is multi-purpose, but the first purpose of God's word is to give life. Why? Because you can't feed the dead. And there are those of you who just today may still be dead in trespasses and sin because he says there are those alive in him and there are those dead in trespasses and sin and there's no middle ground. There's no fence to sit on between life and death. We simply believe and receive or we reject and refuse. So um, here's what you need to know today about God's word. It's life to those who are dead in trespasses and sin. It's light to those in darkness. It's truth to those who are deceived. It's cleansing for the defiled, hope for the hopeless, help for the helpless, seed to the sower, bread to the eater, and there are hundreds of more descriptions of its blessings and benefits in Scripture. We started with the primary issue. Turns out that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. How bad is it? Jeremiah 17, 9 says this about every one of us before we gave our life to the Lord. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? God says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. So the issue then is, if my heart's deceitful and desperately wicked, I need a spiritual EKG to find out. And then I need, and that's what the word's doing right now. And then I need a new heart. And here's good news, Ezekiel 26 or 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put my spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Some of us, some of you, need to wake up and realize you're at war with the devil. Stop listening to his lies. He's speaking to you through friends and foes. He's speaking to you through the media. He's speaking to you everywhere except in God's word. Stop falling for his traps, reject his offers, refuse to believe the lie. Some need to stop letting your emotions lead you so the truth can set you free. All that confuses, all that paralyzes, all that makes you ineffective in your witness for the Lord can be changed in a moment. Don't be led by your emotions. Don't be led by the enemy. Some just need to see the world and its enticements for what they really are. The good seed of the gospel produces spiritual eternal life 
The rest of God's word is all we need for a life of holiness and godliness and fruitfulness for him. Of all the lies the enemy tells us, the one where he questions our worth and value tends to be the one that so many listen to. In the first two verses of Zechariah 3, Satan tries this, in front of God no less, testifying against Joshua the high priest, and listen to what God tells Satan. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? I love this. We are like a stick, burnt and burning in the fire, with no value but fuel for that fire, and God reached in and plucked us from that fire. He then cleans us up and dresses us up so we are fit to be in His presence. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.